Good morning, Faith Fellowship. All right, that's better. <laughs> hey, so like I said, if you have your Bible, turns to uh, Romans 8. What we want to look at this morning is predestination. Now, we, we're we about to enter into uh, what some would consider difficult topics of the Bible uh, with our next few over the coming weeks. We'll have a discussion about predestination today. We'll talk about election. We'll talk about adoption. And there is some uh, doctrines that have formulated out of this that um, aren't very biblical and can be quite confusing. And, and I want to read an excerpt uh, from John Calvin's chapter on predestination. Now, it's pretty long. Uh, I read it a couple of times just because it, you know, it can be kind of wordy in spots. But I really wanted to get a sense of just where his heart was on the matter, because he's the one that we would say, probably here in Midtown, we don't agree with. <laughs> and uh, here's part in part. Remember, you were just getting a piece of it. So this isn't the whole thing, but here's just a part of what he says. He says, first, then let them remember that when they inquire into predestination, they penetrate the inmost recesses of divine wisdom, where the careless and confident intruder will obtain no satisfaction to his curiosity but will enter a labyrinth from which he will find no way to depart. So consider that. Essentially from this, we're talking about something that is, he's saying is a labyrinth. Like predestination, we couldn't, there's no way you can figure it out. <laughs> that it's just, I mean, you're entering the innermost recesses of divine wisdom. And so I think that in part, just looking at his document, um, he isn't the reason for hyper-Calvinism, but I can understand from his document how it got there, which is where now we're not sharing our faith. And that's what hyper-Calvinism would do with predestination. So his, if you're not familiar with this document, ultimately Calvinism's viewpoint, and this being one of its central doctrines, viewpoint is that the Lord picks and chooses who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. And really the, the kind of the thing that I had to figure out, what is, what is the, the hinge of his statement? Ultimately, his thing is, is that getting saved is an act of God, which that, that is absolutely true. But what his document is void of is man's free will. And so essentially his viewpoint is such that God is going to show up and he's going to say, hey, here's salvation. And you have no choice. I mean, you like a robot will just respond with gratitude because you see that it is so good. And I think for him, it's almost offensive for the idea that man would have the ability to resist God in this way. But let's face it, that's exactly what the problem is, is that man can say no. And God will then ultimately let that individual perish because that's what they chose. It's not something that he wanted for them, right? So you understand then that our position would be such that the call for salvation is upon all. And it's our jobs as ministers to make sure that we get the gospel out there. And now we don't get to choose who takes it or not. And, and we don't have to decide, well, you kind of look like you might would say yes, so I'm gonna share the gospel with you. No, I'm gonna just say it to whomever, right? And then ultimately uh, that person can decide, man, I do see that I'm a sinner separated from God and that my sin is, is the reason why I could spend eternity separated from God. But Jesus has done something different. Man, his death, burial, and resurrection actually could free me from that? Because I remember when just processing, you got to think about when you got saved. I had been around church of most of my life. Um, I mean, all of my life. My grandma was probably like a lot of you's grandmother. She didn't mess around. That wasn't even a thing where it's like, baby, do you want to go to church? No, it wasn't. She wasn't asking me any of that, <laughs> right? Like, I'm going. And so ultimately, I, she put me in an environment where I was around it. But just because I was around it didn't mean that I had Jesus Christ for myself. 
So I was familiar. We were acquaintances, but he didn't know me like that. And that, and that didn't come until high school. And ultimately, it's like the terms of the gospel for me weren't very difficult. But what the thing I realized is I hadn't asked for him to be Lord and Savior in my life. I knew kind of like the, the, the outsides of salvation, but I, didn't, I hadn't just asked. And so I remember when, when Mr. Lee, Pastor Lee, had it was before basketball, he does his little devotion. He says, hey, uh, anybody want to stay behind and, and talk about it? And I was like, yeah, I do. Because I realized it's like the Holy Spirit said, hey, you haven't done this. And so I'm like, hey, uh, I don't think I've, I've been through the gospel. So we look at, you know, Romans Road and we see man's need for that. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. I'm like, yep. I, have you sinned? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm in high school. So, you know, that's some... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I have. My thoughts, my actions, my words, absolutely, yeah. And he's like, okay, well, Jesus Christ has paid this penalty on the cross so that you wouldn't have to. Do you believe that he's the son of God? Yes. Do you believe that, that you are a sinner and that your sin will keep you separated from God for eternity? Yes. He was like, man, so do you believe that he died and was buried and resurrected? And I said, yes. He was like, well, man, we need to get to work. <laughs> Ask the Lord to be the Lord of your life. Ask for forgiveness for your sin. And man, the Bible says you'll be saved. I did that. And it was like, a, like somebody, like I had a backpack on and I just like, man, I'm gonna go here and play ball and this is all good, right? And so what if we had this position like John Calvin that says, well, the Lord is gonna pick and choose. Who's gonna do that? Instead of me hearing that gospel, he would just have, I'd have to maybe look the, excuse me, the right part or, or whatever the case may be. And so what we want to do is take the confusion out of, I don't believe that predestination is a labyrinth. I just, I mean, it. there are obviously things in the Bible that we will be like scratching our head, like, Lord, I don't understand all of that, but it is never tied to salvation because the thing is the Lord wants you to know all about that because he wants you to know how to get there, right? And so, um, again, his, his, you know, that is online. If you just go Google search that, and I put in predestination doctrine and it came up, and there'll be all kinds of things. You're gonna also see that really he formulated that from Augustine. So this is earlier. It's not really, he unfortunately gets the, he's the poster child for, for this, but uh, really he just adopted that from Augustine and then same with Luther, Martin Luther. So this would also be tied to the Reformed Church. Uh, this is something that is a part of their core doctrine as well. And so this, is, this leads us to a, a lot of confusion. And uh, prayerfully today, we won't be confused as we dive into it. And so uh, let's do that. Let's pray before we do that, and uh, we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, I would just ask that you would just remove me and Lord, I thank you just for the clarity by which uh, we believe your word is speaking. And uh, Lord, I, I pray that it, this would help uh, brothers and sisters as they have conversations with maybe, uh, you know, friends that are Calvinists or wrestling with that, wrestling with their, you know, their salvation. Um, maybe not, maybe they are hyper Calvinists and they don't, you know, actually share the gospel because they feel like you pretty much already made that decision. And so, uh, Lord, I do just ask that uh, you would be clear today and that uh, we could glean from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so the first thing that we want to look at, if we were trying to find this in scripture, you'd have to spell predestinate. Um, and that would, <laughs> if you just looked at that and remember how sometimes you can try to lose, use blue letter to get all of the times it's mentioned, you'd get two. <laughs> and he'd like, that's not it. And so what you have to do is then uh, go into that verse, hit the verse, and then look at the, uh, uh, what do they call that? It's the, uh, I forgot in that section, let's see, what it, the interlinear concordance, okay? And then you, when you pull up the Greek, you would see all the other times that this word is mentioned. And so there are going to be some uh, four times that it is as a word that we understand, but six times altogether. 
So then we'll see it in Ephesians as predestinated, okay, both in Ephesians 1.5 and Ephesians 1.11. Okay, so make sure you make those designations just so that you can do this study on your own. Obviously, we'll have these verses so that way you can see them, but uh, it would be good for you to look at that. Okay, so just like we've been doing, you know, we say our um, English language exegesis, which is we're just going to look at where we see this. Yes, it's not, it is great to do the Greek study and all that, but let's say you don't have the means to do that. Can the Lord be clear if I just have English? Yes. <laughs> okay. And so let's see what his word says about this. Now, the one thing I think when you guys go to Romans, I had you go there, Romans chapter eight, is you have to kind of get a larger context to why it is that this word is being mentioned. And that's going to start for us really we could do, read the whole thing, but I think that you get a good understanding of that starting in verse 18 all the way to 29. Now, I'm just going to shorthandedly kind of point out some things, and we'll see. That's the main verse that we want to get to. Okay, but, well, I'll just read it. It's fine. I'll read it. In verse 18, it says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to compare with the glory which shall, shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who have subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. Likewise, Okay, so you see, I'm, this is a still a continuation of thought. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. When we're talking about he, we're talking about God, because he maketh the intercession of the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. If we continue, we will see that also in verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, then he also justified. And whom he justified, then he also, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us. Now, I want to stop right there because, and let's just go back over this, okay, starting from 18, and let me just kind of, th these are just things I just wrote down just to shorten this. So there's a comparison about the suffering of the present being no comparison to the glory of the future, okay? A comparison between the suffering of the present and the glory of the future, okay? That's kind of a critical thing that you have to get in your head, okay? Starting with that in verse 18. And remember, it just says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, okay? So you have that. The other thing that comes from that is all of creation is waiting for this future also, okay? So you guys see that, and that really is about two or three verses, really just, I, I just simplified it. So the suffering of the present is no comparison to the glory of the future. All of creation is waiting for this same future. It will benefit everybody once this glorious time shows up, okay? 
And then it goes into specifics about us internally. It says internally we groan because we're waiting for a physical adoption. Okay, so a spiritual one has taken place. We are the sons of God. We are seated in heavenly places. But I am not physically there right at this moment. Okay, and so you see that in verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Okay, so now that's telling us that our adoption currently is like partial. We have a spiritual adoption, but not yet the physical one because we haven't been raptured yet. Does that make sense? Nod your heads. Okay. Yes. Good. Got it. Okay. All right. So then we go on. So now just add to that internally, this groaning, you must understand something. What are we waiting for? The rapture, glorified bodies, and permanent residence in heaven. Okay. You understand that. Those things are, you are very much waiting for because that's what's going to happen with us who call on the name of Jesus Christ. All right, now if we keep going, while we wait, the Spirit helps us in this time period because remember, this is kind of a not so great time. You got this partial thing happening, right? Where you got, you're partially adopted. I'm adopted spiritually, but physically that hasn't happened yet because I haven't been raptured yet. So I still got this flesh and I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it, my own flesh, right? So there's this kind of battle that's starting to happen between me and it. And the Lord is like, hey, even don't, don't worry about this. Why? Well, I got something else that's also working behind the scenes here. While we wait for this redemption of the body, the spirit helps us by intercessing on our behalf because of the limitations of our flesh. So, you know, we've talked about this. This is where he kind of mentions a little bit and just saying, um, where is that? Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. So, you know, you just sometimes, I mean, you just phone in it in on the prayers. And this is a problem because you have a flesh and a sin nature still, okay? You see that? So you got this good standing. I'm good with God as a result of my salvation. Spiritually, everything is good. I'm adopted in the family. But because I have this physical form, it causes me problems. It has a desire. It wants to do things that are opposed to what my spiritual man wants to do. And this is creating kind of this conflict internally within me. Okay. I need help. The Spirit is helping. The Spirit is doing these things. The Lord is telling you these things for a reason. Okay, let's keep going. So the next thing is that God searches the heart and can decipher the Spirit in those that believe. So like, the thing is, is that's what he says, but the spirit itself maketh intercession with groanings, which cannot be uttered. He that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So there is this, even though I'm jacked up, right? I got this partial thing happening, a little bit turmoil internally, that this is that wrestling match that I don't feel like it. I'm not going to. Sometimes I, I know better, but I don't do better. That whole thing, that whole, all of that. Sometimes I, I'm in a mode of, I really should be desperate, but, and I should be praying, but I'm not. And so like the spirit is on my behalf, like, hey, this guy, he needs some help. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, so, he's so sad, he don't even know what to say. So I'm gonna say it for him. This is what he needs. Like all this is happening, right? And then, all of this is a part of God's plan, okay? This is a necessary thing to happen. And so then, boom, we get to Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The people that God knew would get saved would be predestinated to be conformed to the image of Christ, okay? That's the thing you have to understand what that verse is saying. We're not talking about somebody getting saved and this person not getting saved. This predestination is the Lord is guaranteeing. Listen, I know, I know 
it's uncomfortable having a spiritual man and having this flesh. I know. But listen, my plan for you is that you would be conformed to the image of my son. And then through that turmoil, that, that work, that challenge, God, that's where the beauty is. Because it creates this desperation and it's right in line with what it is that God wants to do in your life. And so, man, listen, he could have saved you, but because you are so jacked up, the thing is, is like we have a standard. He wants you to look like the standard. So he just is, a, it's a guarantee that you're going to look like the standard. So now, now you have to understand why you struggle. Your struggle is more about the fact that you are maybe fighting at times against what it is that God has planned for you to be more like his son. So when you don't feel like it, you don't feel like coming Sunday, you don't feel like Tuesday, you don't feel like discipleship or LFBI and all that stuff, that is your flesh fighting against God's already written plan to make you more like his son. So you should want to be like, just know the minute you don't feel like it, it's like, okay, that's my flesh. Don't try to justify it. <laughs> don't try to make it like a, give yourself an out because that's generally what we do. No, listen, the plan was if you are saved, I'm going to turn you into my son because that's the standard. Does that make sense? Okay, so Romans 8.30, moreover. Now, listen, so the Lord is like, okay, if the Lord had a gift, he just gave you this gift of salvation. He's like, okay, look, and then the spirit, man, he's making these prayers for you on top of that. He gives you another gift. Then he said, hey, I know, let me give you this other promise. So I'm just trying to, I'm going to make you, turn you into my, my son, the son, the standard. Okay, so here's this other gift. Then he goes, Verse 30, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, then he justified. Whom he justified, then he glorified. See, those that God predestinated, he called. The call is in the whole world. It's not like a pick and choose. It's a call on a speaker, not a phone. The saved are justified and glorified. Listen, there is an immediate justification and glorification that happens spiritually that you could not do for yourself, that the Lord said, gotcha. So your predestination and being conformed to the image is also tied to these other things. You are like in your heavenly, that whatever, you know, you know how we are, we're silly. We've seen too many cartoons. So what we tend to think of ourselves in heaven is that like I'm, I'm baby blue and it's like an outline of me. It looks like me, but it's, but it's not a physical form. You know, didn't y'all just think that? See, when you said it, it's like, yes, Dale, I'm with you. And so like that person's justified, glorified, seated in heavenly places with the Lord, doing right, says the right thing, thinks the right thing. But then you got me down here on earth. No, nope, <laughs> not all the time, right? And so there is this beautiful thing that leads us to our first key point. Predestination was never intended to confuse us, but instead it is there to comfort us. Predestination was never intended to confuse us, but instead it is there to comfort us. See, you need the comfort to know that God has a plan. Yes, you are terrible still, unsaved. You think horrible thoughts and you treat people poorly sometimes and you say the wrong thing and you do the wrong thing. You look at the wrong thing and, and all of that. And the Lord says, but listen, my promise to you is I will conform you to the image of my son. And it's like, Lord, thank you. How we get into this, that predestination is elaborate, is like, no, John, no, <laughs> it's not actually. The Lord is just telling me he has a plan that I'm good spiritually and then there's still something yet to be accomplished in me physically. Like that's hope. That's why it's comfort because it's like God's not done with me. And then you get to tell the people you, you, you know when you need to say I'm sorry. Sometimes you need to say I'm sorry. And that don't matter. It could be to your kids. It could be your spouse. It could be at work. 
It could be the family members and coworkers. Sometimes, you know what? Uh, you're not going to be walking in the spirit. And your response is going to absolutely be every bit of your flesh. And then the spirit is going to say, whisper to you. You know how the spirit does. It gets you too. The minute you know how like leading up to it, you say it and you're like, yeah. And then after you're like, ah, why did I say that? Knock on it. You make that phone call, you know, or show up to this person. Hey, you know what? Yesterday, I'm sorry. I was, this is happening. This is going on. And I just need to make sure we're good and make it right. It's hard, y'all. But the Lord give, gave you the opportunity to do that as a result of that spirit that he placed in you. See, you wouldn't even do that just with your own conscience. Your conscience don't care. Your conscience is wicked. It, 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 it could care less. But the spirit of God is like, no, that's not good. We can't say that. You can't just leave that hanging out there. See, understand something. Predestination addresses the agony of this present time with a plan from God for your life. Do you know that? See, there's an agony for this present time that you're going to, you know, if you're just waiting and you could get impatient with that waiting. But the Lord is doing all this work internally in you that is going to have his kingdom look more attractive to you and, and the working of his kingdom more attractive to you. So let it happen. Let it happen. This is why being in the fellowship matters. This is why being here and the conversation we have when we have dinner and phone calls and all of that stuff, all of that, it, none of that bothers me, y'all. I know sometimes, let me just say this. You're not bothering me when you give, when we talk about your issues. You know why? It's because I understand that this is a part of God's plan for your life to conform you to the image of his son and me too. So my response followed by encouraging your response, gets us to respond in the way that the Lord wants us to, which is to just say, let it happen. Okay, that's so, you gotta do it. You got various leaders in here, man, you gotta talk to them. You need that counsel. You need that time in Bible study. Listen, I, I don't want you to treat Bible study like it's something that's optional. You need to be there. You need to be here so that we can clarify these things and get you out of these labyrinths that these wiser men, listen, and I'm not, John Calvin was a pastor. That means he is God's key man. Now, I am not about to speak ill of God's, I'm not God's key man. I mean, kind of in this, but not like to that level, right? But he's off. He's off. And I think, I, you know, and just in passing, I think a lot of it is because he looks at it through the lens of what God was doing with, with Israel. Even, his, even when he's referencing stuff in his document, it's like, oh, brother, you, don't you have dispensational view of God's word? <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, if you just do that. But I would, man, if I, was, if I was in his church and knowing what I know and what I've been taught here and, and talking to him, man, would... I'd be like, Sam, you need to talk to John. I'm not sure that's right, <laughs> you know, because that's not my role to make. So it's not, this is not going to be like, we, let's throw John and Calvinism under the bus. Let's just clarify so that you understand it. You see what I'm saying? That's different. I don't have to destroy somebody in order to make this clear. This is clear. Romans 8. 31 says something. This is why we know it is a comfort. It says this. What shall we say then to these things? What things? The things that we just talked about. All these benefits that you get as a result of, of being saved and that the Lord has a clear cut plan for you to be conformed to the image of his son. What shall we say to these things, man? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, if that's not comforting, I don't know what is. Because that essentially makes a statement that whatever enemy or oppressing issue or circumstance you have that feels bigger than God just got smaller than God considerably. Because what God is doing with you and conforming you to the image of his son is impossible, except God do it. It's an impossibility. Like you would not be better. You may be very nice, very pleasant to be around. That's great. You will bust hell wide open being pleasant. 
I, it's super crass to say it like that, but it's the truth. Be a bunch of nice people in hell. Because that's not the requirement. It's about being like his son. So you have to receive his son. And then God said, oh, you received him? Now I'm going to make you like him. That's a promise. So you got work to do, believer. There's this, there's this thing that is happening. And you know what your work is? Yield, submit. And that, that's, that's probably the hardest thing for us, right? Like, you know what to do. You, you, I mean, most of y'all, especially, you know, in the Midwest, and, and, and let's say, and then let's pare it down, Midwest, and then pare it down to Kansas City, and then in this particular, you know, or KCBT, and just the fruit of what KCBT provided in this city, and then the churches that are out of that. You know what to do. Do you do what you need to do all the time? No, you don't, because I don't, <laughs> you know? And God, listen, and here's the beauty of it. That justified and glorified is a big deal because God is like, when you mess up, he doesn't go, well, I quit. Sorry, you're out. You'd be like, no, 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 please. <laughs> I'm going to hell if you do that. Don't please. This is why eternal security also needs to be tied to this. What God is doing is forever. And it's a promise. So I don't need to wrestle with my salvation as if when I mess up that God is now done with me. This is a promise from God that this will happen. You understand that? Can God break his promises? No, he cannot. And so, just yield, submit. Now, I wanted to look at something because you saw that in these verses, and I had kind of called it out in 28. It says, to them who are the called. And then in verse 30, it says, and whom he called, them he also justified. So now let's look at who's called of those mentioned in those two verses. Did he just call some? Now, a lot of you that, you know, you've been around a long time and Calvinism is not some place that you wrestle, you understand that, well, the answer is no. But I want you to see from Scripture yourself that we'll know God called all. And of course, you know the classic John 3, 16, but actually, uh, let's go to 14. And in John 14, oh, you know, I didn't put that in. That's my bad. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Just stay right there and uh, go to John. <laughs> John 3, 14 through 16 says this. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. Why? That whosoever, that is a powerful word, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Y'all, that says whosoever. Is there any tricks in that statement of that one word? Does that not encompass anybody? Okay, so now this idea, this is the other thing, and it would break John's heart if he were around to at least hear the argument because he, in his writing, he's pretty firm on his belief. that what he thinks is right. But it would break his heart to say that, uh, John, this idea of predestination that you carry actually tarnishes God's character because it makes him selective and he's picking and choosing. What's the criteria? No, in God's mind, the criteria is all of sin and come short of the glory of God. So all are now the whosoever, everybody. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And now we're ready. 1013. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be. Y'all know how I feel about shall. 
Remember, shall and legal documents means it has to happen. So the Lord is not playing games here. Psalm 86.5 says something very interesting. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. See, now that ready kind of comes with an alarm. My next key point is this. Predestination does not guarantee that God's call will be answered by all that hear it. Predestination does not guarantee that God's call will be answered by all that hear it. And listen, you need to understand something. Man's free will is his responsibility. Man's free will is his responsibility. The Lord gives you the choice, and it's up to you. And man, because we are kind of cavalier with that much power, boy, we choose poorly often. Often. And the good thing is, is there's grace, which is why, again, we don't want to run into that hyper-Calvinistic viewpoint that's like, well, I shared the gospel, and so you didn't receive it. Well, good luck with that. You're going to hell. No, it means now I need to pray because I just figured out when Alvaro taught last time, you are a fool and you, you are basically denying truth that is coming to you and giving you an opportunity as a way out of the contract of condemnation. So now I got to pray. I got to pray that God will soften your heart and that eventually when you hear the gospel again, and maybe it's just, it takes years, it takes months, it takes days, whatever it is, it just takes time and that you will come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not that I just write you off. See, that sobering statement about that he's ready to forgive also tells me, man, there are some that aren't ready to ask for it. And that's something that we should absolutely have on our hearts in terms of brokenness. You know, the people that are most difficult to minister to tend to probably be our family because they know us. And then sometimes they think that we're either in a cult or crazy or a combination of both, especially when you're at a church like this that just talks about the gospel and discipleship and growing as a leader constantly. I mean, we just, it's constant. And that can, and I think what a lot of times church has been reduced to in the minds of, of the general populace is, uh, well, for the weak people that need that, this is where you're going to go. You're going to hear some nice, encouraging music. You're going to hear some nice, encouraging words. And then you go on about your business doing whatever you want to do. No. No. This is an opportunity for you to actually get in front of the Lord and say, Lord, I see myself as you said that I am. And I see you for who you are. And I see that we could not be further apart. But I also see that you have created a bridge to me. Man, for thou, Lord, are good and ready to forgive. Other verses I want you to write down just to look at that same idea. Joel 2.32 and Acts 2.21. <clears throat> See, that part of that man's responsibility is this. In 2 Timothy 2, uh, 11 and 12, or, or 11 through 13, it says, It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. But don't miss this. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself, y'all. He can't just, see, this is the whole concept, like with Pharaoh. You know, essentially, it's like a physical water baptism salvation for Israel as they're crossing the Red Sea. 
And there's a point where God's grace enough on Pharaoh is that had he had stayed on the other side, he would just be alive and opposed to God. And potentially whatever could happen could whatever, right? Because God is still formulating Israel and going to make them a much bigger force and they would have more interactions with Egypt later. That could have worked out. But what God wasn't going to let him do is cross through that Red Sea because of what it represented. So he had to kill him in his sin. There's no choice. Had he not pursued, he would have lived and had opportunity. And so, man, you got to understand, the Lord is not playing games here. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth it. He cannot deny himself. And so, for the believer, uh, don't deny him in terms of the ways that he wants to shape and mold you. Because the thing is, it's like, it's not going to, it's not going to, you're not going to lose your salvation, but boy, you just waste time. You waste the reward that the Lord has intended for you. Maybe now somebody else gets what is coming to you because you just opted out. Man, just yield and submit. And I prayerfully, <laughs> just as we're walking through this, that you just see like, okay, Lord. This, you know, you got, sometimes you got to have the okay, Lord conversation. I hear you. Y'all up in my face today. Get out of my business. He's like, no. Remember I, what I told you is going to happen. You're going to be conformed to the image of my son. So sorry, that is, that's, that's not an option. You gave that up. First John 2.23 also, whosoever denied the son, the same hath not the father. Man, I, man's free will is his responsibility. Guys, we got to be praying for the lost because they just think it's going to be a party. They think nothing is going to happen. Some of them just think they're just going to die and that's just going to be it, right? Some of them think they're going to die and come back as a dog or a cat or a flower or some other, you know, I mean, for real. We make fun of it, but there are people who for real believe that, that they've been here six, seven times already. Guys, we got to pray just that people really understand what's at, what's at stake because they, you know, they don't. We don't have like a thing, a curtain we can just pull back and it's like you hear wailing and <laughs> there's smoke and fire. You, go, you want this? Because if you did, <laughs> boy, I think a lot of people are like, oh, no, I don't want that at all. No, you don't. <laughs> so let's have a conversation. And so, man, here we are. We're around all these people who just deny the Lord, um, and they don't know what's at stake, but we know what's at stake for them. So, man, let's, let's minister to them. Now I need you to go to Ephesians chapter one. This is the other spot. In terms of those two mentions, Okay, so we got that we, that we have a comfort. It's a promise out of the first time we see predestinated that essentially the Lord is just promising us that he's going to conform us to the image of his son. Now let's just see if there's anything different here when we get here. Now, <clears throat> our verses of focus are going to be 5 and 11, but overall, let's just read all the way through it and then we'll get back into it. Okay, so it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, that is important. Didn't I say earlier we were talking about this heavenly space that things are good i'm justified glorified there the perfect version of me is there seated in the heavenly places now it's very interesting and it's not a period right here right that he says according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame of oh, i'm sorry uh, blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in christ here it is 
according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, and having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Okay, and then just verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. All right, so in those first three verses or first four verses back at the top there, God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. God chose the saved in Christ before the foundation of the world. And so listen, there is this thing about foreknowledge that also kind of lends itself because elect and foreknowledge and predestined, all of that stuff gets John Calvin kind of in a, uh, a knot. <laughs> and so would it be beyond the scope of reasoning that God knows the day that I was going to get saved? Like he knew that. Right. Like he knew the moment, the hour. If I just said, hey, Lord, I forgot what time was that? He could tell me to the minute of what time it was, like to the second and knew that that was going to take place. But just because he had that knowledge doesn't mean that he said, and I knew you were going to say no, because there were times. How many how much time before then did I just kind of live in limbo? I'm going to church, but I don't I'm not saved. Right. So does the Lord go? When does he go? Enough. You're going to hell now. You see what I'm saying? There's, it just creates all these problems. He foreknows, yeah, the people that are going to get saved, and he knows the ones that that will deny, but that doesn't mean that it's over for them. Essentially, this is why you have to be diligent on your knees in prayer or even just with sharing the gospel because, man, people change their mind. And you can change God's mind in that way, you know, and where he's like, uh, I hear you. Okay, let's do this. You know, and you've seen that in scripture, especially Moses on behalf of Israel. The Lord is like, I'm killing everybody. He's like, well, <laughs> about that. So it kind of is not a good look like that. We had the whole plague thing and then we're going to get out here. And you're going to kill everybody like that. Do we really want to do that, Lord? No, we don't do that. Let's not start over with me either. You know, I almost got killed before we got started. So, like, <laughs> you know, it's a great, that's a, it's a great passage, but you really see Moses kind of intercess like Christ on behalf of Israel. It's beautiful. And so guys, we get a chance to do the same thing for the lost. Your role is so important. This is why you have to yield and submit. See, when you just, when everything is about you and how jacked up you are, and I, that's the wrong focus. Man, if you're saved by the blood of the lamb, worry about those that don't have him. Because even though, yes, you are jacked up, but you will be better if you get to work. I'm just saying. Stop wasting your time always being down on yourself about how awful you are. And we already know that. That's why the Lord took care of you. And that, that baby blue outline of you in heaven is perfect. And one day, you will feel it. And that will be perfect. And then it'll be glowing blue, like in, you know, what was that movie? Golden Glow. <laughs> the Kung Fu movie. We had the glow on the outside of them. Same thing. Last Dragon. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> Last Dragon. It'd be like that. You got the glow. Remember the song. Okay. So now, God chose to save in Christ before the foundation of the world. The choice was for us, listen, to be holy and without blame and love. Now, that kind of sounds similar to earlier when he was talking about uh, you've been predestinated to be conformed to the image of my son. 
The choice was for us to be holy and without blame in love. Okay, well, let's go back. Let's see exactly what it says right there. According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So the Lord is like, I don't want you to come up here with them dirty ragtag clothes on. So the whole thing is, I can't just save you and, and it's just you and we're going to try to perfect this mess. No, you are corruptible. <laughs> so this is why you have my spirit. This is why you'll be conformed to the image of my son, because none of that is corruptible. You see that? This is why these old self-help books and videos, that's a waste of time. Conform to the image of Christ. That's the most, that's the most improvement you will ever see in yourself is just to be like Christ. Verse five, having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, God predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, this part is funny. For himself, according to the pleasure of his will. So the thing is this, in terms of, you think about it, salvation. Okay, so you got salvation. The Lord wanted Jesus to be essentially the reason for all of that, right? So like the one that would be capable of providing salvation, the one that would be capable of, okay, this is the image that I want all the rest of the kids to look like. And then it's gonna, it's his ability to be able to do all of that, which is like, and then the adoption aspect of which both is spiritual and physical. So we spiritually, that's already happened, but physically that happened, that's when he says later on to gather, let's get to that. So Ephesians 6 through 10, God's grace created the opportunity to be accepted in Christ. Okay, it has to be through God's grace. If God's wrath showed up, it wouldn't matter what Christ wants to do. God would just go, no, I'm not, no, because everybody's got to die. Nope, God's grace shows up, gives us an opportunity. Praise the Lord. Thank you for that. So now listen, acceptance required two things, at least mentioned here. Obviously, we know it's going to be more. But in this passage, there's something very important. Redemption through his blood, which means Christ has to die. Blood has to be shed. Somebody's got to die. Blood's got to be shed. There ain't no redemption without those things happening. It's very important. The next thing, forgiveness of sins. That's on God's part. So now, once he sees that that sacrifice is sufficient, he's like, golden. Now you accept it. Now acceptance provides something. So there was a requirement for it, but now it provides some wisdom and prudence, knowledge of the mystery of his will, and the promise of a future gathering of all his children. Ephesians 1.11, in whom we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So now, listen, y'all, listen, listen, get this down. Predestination includes an inheritance. It includes an inheritance. So you didn't know that. You need to be, you need to, you need to know there's something waiting for you. You're not, you're not just down here suffering for nothing. Remember, this present time is agony. But the Lord has something. And so look, the down payment on that inheritance was the Holy Spirit. I love it. Okay, so anybody that's bought a house before, remember you had to put an earnest deposit down, right? Okay, let's look at it. Verse. Okay. 13, in whom ye also trusted after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believe, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, that's the down payment, <laughs> which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession until the praise of his glory. So it's like, there's still more, but wait, there's more. <laughs> I love it. It's like the Lord is excited about it. And yet, uh, sometimes we're not. I mean, guys, listen, okay, think about this. If the Holy Spirit and all that you know that it has done for you right now is the deposit for what's coming, 
This is why the Bible says you cannot even, your brain cannot even fathom what God has planned for you. The Holy Spirit is too good for you already. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the Lord is like, that's just part of it. So, man, there's a couple of verses on that inheritance that I want you guys to have. Acts 26, 18, Galatians 3, 18. I'll read them to you. In Acts 26, 18, he says, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And then I love this. See, that inheritance, boy, that's not going to. In Galatians 3.18, it says, For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more a promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. So now you know. And what is he? Man, he's the father of all the faithful. That's why a lot of, you know, we sing that song. It's not a uh, doctrinal error <laughs> when we say uh, Father Abraham had many sons. Actually, we would still qualify under that, even though we're not Israelites. Because even though that he is the God, he's the father of that, but then also he's the father of the faithful because the, the law is not even around. He starts believing God, just like us. Okay, and so as we round the bend here, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of the truth, the gospel and the salvation, in whom also after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Man, part of that inheritance is the Holy Spirit. The other's in place in eternity. And so here's our key point. Predestination was never about God choosing who is saved and who isn't, but rather what benefit that the saved have in Jesus. Predestination was never about God choosing who is saved and who isn't, but rather what benefit the saved have in Jesus. Man, you got promises. The Lord is like, I'm not done with you. And you're like, man, I, you know, you just spend a lot of time, wasting time talking about how awful you are. And the Lord is like, enough of that. You are my son. You are my daughter. You have my spirit. You have my word. You have my people. I guarantee you, you will be conformed to the image of my son. You are seated in heavenly places. You are justified. You are glorified. And when you are raptured, which that is another promise, I'm coming to get you and then I'm going to take you home and I'm going to really make your eyeballs pop out because the stuff I got for you, you can't even, you can't even fathom it. You think winning the lottery is the best thing that can happen on earth. That's nothing compared to what I got for you. And so this is your, this is your verse. I mean, our, let's get our definition then. Real quick, predestination is the fulfillment of God's will for believers. Okay, predestination then, as we have looked at it in scripture, we can back it up with everything we just found out, is the fulfillment of God's will for believers. To be conformed to the image of his son, to spend eternity with him. And so this is, this is your verse you need to hear this morning. Maybe down on yourself, maybe you're not feeling it, but you need to hear this. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, very thing, of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The promise is as long as you have breath, God will be at work, conform you to the image of his son. And the only thing I ask that you do is just yield and submit. You don't have to try harder, okay? You don't have to work harder. The thing, you just need to yield and submit. The Lord is already writing that narrative. How do you yield to what it is that God has in front of you right now, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, thank you so much. Um, it is clear what predestination is, and that it is a fulfillment of what it is you promised your kids. And so, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't resist that. We wouldn't fight against it, Lord. I, you know, we're going to have times now. We're going to try it. <laughs> but, Lord, I pray 
that we would be kids that would remember you intend to finish this work. Lord, some of the agony that we deal with in life is just because we're fighting you. And so, Father, would you help us to just yield and submit and be about your business? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.